Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to The Morning Break on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Tom Rogers. This morning, we are talking all things in-school accountability, book reviews, observations, work scrutiny, pupil voice, the, the whole lot. We're going to be discussing them live. I've got Zoe Anser coming on to talk it through with me. Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I hope you are well this morning. Most people during the morning break are already teaching. So well done to you and thank you for what you're doing. Um, I am here in Liverpool uh, recording from my living room uh, in in not so sunny Liverpool, actually. It's not that sunny this morning. I always talk about the weather at the start of these shows. The weather is overcast. It's not particularly cold, but it's not particularly nice either. However, the theme of our show is nice. It's whole school accountability. So get on board with it, people. We are going to be talking all things, uh, I guess, that, that clash between development and accountability. Um, when Nathan designed the card for this show, he put in the word toxic accountability. He put in the word toxic. So maybe we could call it extreme accountability or accountability that doesn't work. You know, that's that's really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what does accountability look like in schools? Where are we going wrong with it? Because even yesterday, I read a tweet from a teacher who had been, in inverted commas, this is the words they used, pulled up uh, by somebody in their school about some uh, the content in some books. Um, now, whenever I see language like that, it's like pulled up, that, that tends to me to, to indicate kind of, uh, I guess ticking bo- a ticking boxes approach or something like that, and it kind of worries me. You know, it it, it doesn't sit well with me. I I think to myself, right, you know, that teacher is waiting to be called out. And sometimes, if things aren't developmental, maybe it's maybe it becomes a culture where teachers are waiting to be called out, waiting to uh, trip up. Now, a lot of this does actually come back to what. I guess what makes uh, schools get better? What 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 makes teachers get better? What makes teachers develop as professionals? Um, it also relates to how many teachers out there don't want to get better. You know, because um, I you know when I've had discussions on Twitter, sometimes you know people have kind of said to me, "Yeah, but Tom, there's 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 teachers out there who there's there's lo- there's teachers out there who aren't good enough or." don't care or do the wrong thing. Um, I'm sure there are, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are, but what we're talking about here, if, if we talk about my career and if we talk about how many teachers I've worked with over the last 15 years, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. And, um, and, and when I say work with, I mean, work within the school. I mean, see them, you know, in action, see them doing their job, work closely with them. It's a lot. And, and I honestly can't think of I, I i'm not sure i can think of any that that didn't want to improve didn't want to get better didn't care about the kids didn't care about what they were doing i mean yes people can get disillusioned and and people can get ground down and people can lose confidence and it can be tough but that's no reason to kind of um turn on them if you like you know, I mean, you've got more experienced staff sometimes in a school who who kind of, you know, they have seen it and done it. They might be a little bit more critical or cynical or or, or kind of question it. It doesn't mean they, they don't care. It doesn't mean they're not doing the job in the classroom. It, it, it doesn't mean they need to update their, their practice or their pedagogy or whatever. It can, it can just mean that their attitude towards the profession over time has hardened, I guess. You might use the word hardened. You know, they've become hardened to, I guess, to the way things have been for them. And and maybe they've been hammered into the ground. 
by by like like the tweet I mentioned that I saw yesterday. You know, um, that that kind of culture. If they've worked in that kind of culture for long enough, they might have normalised that, and that can that can ground out the the kind of joy out of your your kind of approach to the classroom and your approach to teaching and how you feel in the classroom and all that kind of stuff. So. I put out to eat a couple of days ago. I know Zoe's in the studio. She's going to call in imminently and, and join me in the conversation. Um, but I put a tweet out mentioning specifically book reviews and book looks. And I, and it's always confused me how in so many schools or educational institutions, this idea that you can judge learning from a snapshot of student books. Now, there were a lot of comments on that thread. And, and hopefully I'll discuss those in a second with, with Zoe, but a lot of the comments on the thread were saying, well, yeah, but you can judge X, Y, and Z. You can judge attitudes to learning from books. You can judge uh, routines from books. You can judge, you know, in other words, whether the teacher's trying from books, you know, was the kind of vibe I was picking up from some of the comments. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. I mean, it depends how many books you look at. It depends... You know, it, it's so easy, particularly for, for non-specialists and, and you know, to, to miss things or to misinterpret things or to not, you know, not investigate. You, you see something in a book, and unless you've kind of like investigated that properly, thoroughly, then you could be wrong on it. And equally, what's it going to tell you? What's that one little thing in one particular book going to gonna really tell you you know and again we're talking about the process of of it i guess more than the doing it um you know i know georgina young a fantastic you know head teacher who i visited in in her school in 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 oxford and when i went down and spoke to her you know she just sits down with the kids and talks through their learning with them so she's like you know kind of saying okay um How's it going? You know, and she's got a list of questions that she asks. And and I guess that's how she does accountability. You know, she sits down with the kids, says, bring your work along. And they have a conversation about it. And it's not necessarily to do, it's not, it's not, it's not to do with judging the, the teacher. It's just about supporting the learning, developing the student, helping them. Uh, I'm now joined by Zoe. Zoe, good morning. Good morning, Tom. Uh, can you hear me okay? Anna, I can hear you perfectly well. How are you doing today? Thank you. Uh, really interested to hear your introduction there um, because, you know, I, I do think accountability is a really thorny issue, but I would absolutely agree with what you said. You know, in, in the schools that I've worked in, the schools that I've been in, you know, 99% of teachers really want to get better. They're, they're there because they care about their students, they care about their subject, um, and, and there are very few. And, and the, the ones that, you know, as you say, maybe have got quite stuck, there are reasons for that as well. And some of that re those reasons come back to accountability. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, we, we, look, let's, let's, let's just clear it up, okay? There, is, there, there are, and this is me talking, by the way, not Zoe or anybody else. <laughs> this is just my views, all right, that I will always spout off. But let's be straight about it. If, if you went out now onto the street and bumped into the first 100 people and told them all to go and teach a lesson, there'd be some who either couldn't do it, wouldn't do it, or would be awful at it, right? Mm. Um, now, it is a fact that there are going to be, there are going to be in the world people who are currently teachers who can't teach very well. Okay. Um, however, out of those people, there'll probably be a large percentage who want to get better. Absolutely. I would also, I would also caveat that with everybody can improve. Everybody has areas of of weakness or development or whatever. Right. Everybody, however experienced they are, however inexperienced they are, whatever school they're in etc and a lot of this is contextual nobody can be the best version of their teacher selves in a in a place where they have uh, where that is not facilitated where they don't sometimes teachers don't fit in 
sometimes sometimes it just doesn't fit and it doesn't work and there's no there's no explanation as to why but that teacher in that particular context it struggles and they can't it just doesn't click that doesn't mean that when they go through various accountability systems or processes that whatever turns up in those is correct it's correct in that context at that moment that it it may not be correct it, it may just be wrong we'll talk about that in a minute but you know but if it is right it's right in that context at that moment. I wonder what you thought about all that, Zoe. There's quite a lot there that I ranted about. but <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, there, there is quite a lot to unpick there. I think you're absolutely right. And I've seen teachers thrive in one setting um, and, and not feel that they're able to do as well in another. And, and again, there are all sorts of reasons as to why that's the case. But I think, you know, your point that, that teachers want to get better um and 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 want to do more and uh, and by more i mean you know be more effective in yeah. what they're doing um it's it's definitely the case in the profession and you see it all the time you know you, you see people always pushing and looking and seeking for some of the answers some of which aren't sadly aren't there um to try and, and be better and um and i think that gets forgotten sometimes and but with we get that, caught with up that then Sorry, Zoe. Sorry to cut across you. I was going to say, right. but, but with that in mind, because um, we mentioned this ninety-nine percent plus figure um, uh, of teachers mm. who want to get better, right? What if I was to put it to you? And I will chip in with my, my two pennies in a minute. But when accountability systems happen, okay, and wh whatever they are, uh, book reviews, observations. Um, even if it's triangulated 50,000 times, okay, with all lots of different data mm. and speaking to this and doing this and doing that, right? And then somebody says, you know what? I, I can I can make a solid judgment here. If we're right and we're saying that 99% plus want to improve, um, what percentage of those kind of judgments and – and I understand in an ideal world, I know when, when yourself and Son, you were replying to my tweets, you were talking about schools that take a developmental approach, take mm. a coaching approach. But I, I'm, I'm really sorry, I don't believe there's that many of those. I still don't believe that there is a majority, more than 50% of schools in the United Kingdom who take that approach. Mm. I would I, I think you're that. probably... Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, th I think you're probably sadly right, and there are many reasons again within the system as to why that's happening. And, there are. You know, one of the things that I'm really keen on is you know working with leaders, working with teachers to to really unpick what's going to make the difference, what's going to make that shift away from you know these really high stakes um, kind of performative type um, assessments and accountability. Um, because some you know we we talk in terms of our students about kind of the formative assessment and the summative assessment, and it seems that sometimes accountability just focuses fully on this kind of summative assessment and, and those judgments um, that you're kind of talking about, which end up with people going, well, somebody's checking up on me, somebody's checking in on me, I've got it wrong again. And, and that's not the culture that we want in schools. Um, mm. But I, th I think you're probably right. And, and, you know, we haven't got that en masse everywhere out there and uh, and that's why we keep kind of pushing for well actually you could do it like this and you know if you are looking at books mm -hmm. you need to stop and think what you're looking for what are you looking for why are you looking at the books what are you hoping it will tell you and is that going to be the best best way to get that information um you know i'm forever coming back to that idea of the, the dialogue with the teacher or the dialogue with the students um and, and kind of following lines of inquiry i think you know you you've mentioned there how uh, some of it could flag up some things to explore um, some ideas to pursue and, and that's exactly the approach um, personally I, I find you know nobody holds teachers more accountable than the teachers themselves you know they hold themselves 100%. to very high account very high standards and I know from my experiences of various line managers over the years the worst thing that anybody could do was turn up and say Zoe you're doing this completely wrong if they mm. turned up and said you know actually I, I noticed this and this was really interesting and started to challenge my thinking um, then I would start challenging my practice and I would start kind of going forward um, and so I, th I think it's a slow process and and Sadly, because of some of the way the systems are, it has become all about checking up in, in some situations.
Hundred percent. I mean, let's let's go back a little bit and let's talk about across the education system. You know, what are the ways in which uh, uh, teachers are, if you like, held accountable? So I wonder whether you you might want to start by just breaking down um, what are what are the ways in which teachers are held accountable. Well, the big one's the student outcomes, isn't it? It's, you know, what they do on that day. And, uh, you know, I've certainly had students who have been highly amused at the idea that these results aren't for us. These results are for you or for the school. And and actually, you know, they've picked up on that message. And I think that was really telling when I saw that shift away. I'm not saying that there aren't plenty of students out there who really worry about their grades and what they're mm. going to do on that day in the exam. But um, certainly there are, there are many that are aware of that high stakes for teachers and teachers are held accountable to that. They they have their uh, performance management target that, that relates to a percentage of students who are achieving X, Y and Z. Um, and, and I think that that was one that really started to perhaps twist a few things out of shape in terms of accountability. Yeah. And what, what else have we got? So we got uh, and, you, you're um, saying student data is one, student data. Yeah. 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 Um, then, then you've got the working books. You know, coming back to the book looks, so you and, and what are they actually producing? Um, what what's being seen there? Um, and then you've got people who are being held accountable for planning. You've got other responsibilities that go, kind of go beyond your own classroom as you move up yeah. sort of through leadership and being held accountable for what's happening in somebody else's classroom. Um, you're held accountable uh, sometimes for the behaviour and um, and how the behaviour is being managed. And we we all know we can have incredibly tricky and complex classes um, but that can sometimes land in almost a very raw score way um, you, you know a list of how many students that you've perhaps given a consequence to or a detention to and, mm. and, and how you're managing that and it, it lands back on the teacher and I'm not saying that we're, we're not kind of involved and responsible and, and exploring that but um, you know I, I certainly think the idea that we're going oh you know well actually you know we'll just pop that student out or we'll, we'll put them in detention because that's easier um, is definitely not part of the process at all so uh, I think you know there's lots of things and, and this can be a real problem because then people start to feel they're being held accountable for things that actually they can't necessarily be accountable for. And then they start attributing it to these kind of outside things, where, whereas it's better to really focus in on what can we control and what are we able to shape and what can we influence. And that's not to say we don't, of course, we influence all those things with our students. And it's one of the, the biggest things, isn't it? You know, the, the, the quality of teaching to student outcomes ultimately. But, um, you know, it's focusing us back on, well, what can we do? How can we adapt as opposed to, well, you're just now completely accountable for whatever has happened there? Yeah, I, I mean, I know when I put out my, my tweet about, um, about, uh, work, about book looks, right, about book reviews, and, mm. and, and I was saying it's always confused me, which is true, that, that in, in – Lots and lots of schools, lot, and it is a system-wide approach that people feel they can judge learning and teaching mm. from a sample of student books. That was my, that was my uh, tweet. Now, I know that Sonia, yourself, and a few others said, well, you didn't say you can. You said, I think you're going to – I'm going to ask you in a minute. Do you, do, <laughs> do, 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 but but I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're – approach was you can with other things is that essentially your answer or is it is it different to that i i think it's, it's part of the picture isn't it um so it, it helps you to kind of see other aspects but uh, you know and actually how is this translating so i can see lots of great things that are going on in that classroom and i know that teacher is planning for this and they know mm. their students really well and doing all of this um but then we can look to their work um, and I, I do kind of say work as opposed to books because different schools have different approaches to what will yeah. actually be in their books. True. So then you can see from their work 
is that having the desired in impact? Are there areas where we could perhaps tweak and adjust and explore? Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think it's part of a puzzle, and it is a puzzle. You know, there, there, you know, if it was all about absolutes, and we could, you know, even going in and observing a lesson, we know how highly kind of subjective that is, and we can end up with lots of different um, views on that. And that's one of the reasons why we need real clarity in leadership and in, in kind of those people who are developing each other in actually, well, what do we mean? What are we looking for in terms of uh, what we think of as quality teaching we, in this context? Have we become obsessed Sorry. though? With have have we become obsessed with judging and measuring though? Have have we become obsessed oh, yeah, with this idea of? <laughs> I mean, we're always everybody's always talking about you know the gap between this and the gap between that and this mm. and this and this and this. I remember, a t I don't remember a time, but I read about times where, <laughs> where, where it was just go in a classroom and, and you know what? I know people will listen to this and say, that's a crime to say that. Go in a classroom and enjoy learning, right? And, and just yeah. enjoy being in school and have a nice day and go home and just chill and just, 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 I know that that's, that's, that is sacrosanct for some people to say that. It's sacrosanct. <laughs> you can't just say that, Tom. It's got to be about meet this target, do this, make rapid progress, do this, do that, do that, right? Mm. I, I get I get the whole thing of people say, they, you get one chance. One chance for what? One chance to enjoy your education, to get inspired, to to get um, to, to develop a, a relationship with, with, with teachers, to have the impact that that will bring. You know, there's lots of different dimensions to that. So, uh, you know, my question is, is are we obsessed and why are we obsessed and what damage is this doing? Because to me, it's doing massive damage and people, you know what? I don't think people want to talk about it. I don't think people want to talk about it. I think it's easier to brush it under the carpet because for a lot of people, they work in systems and they work in institutions that promote these approaches and and even if they don't mm. personally believe them it's much easier to just go yeah you know what like i don't agree with it but it's what we have to do i don't think it's good but it's what we have to do and i get that because if they don't do it probably lose the job right mm. but it's sad it saddens the hell out of me you know that tweet yeah, it, i, I, I could hear your frustration <laughs> yeah but it does so you know i saw a tweet that yeah. tweet yesterday from trainee teacher you know I got pulled on these books. I got, you know, uh, and and I got I got um, kind of judged for judged for it, and, and and made to feel like I wasn't good enough mm. as a as a professional. And it it winds me up, you know. It, yeah. it winds but, me up, you know, as, you, as you can tell. I was going to say I'm I'm a hundred percent with you there, and you know I put on in response to that tweet. I'm so sorry that you know anyone spoke to you like that, and that you were made to feel like that. But it was completely inappropriate, um, as well. You know, not only the language that was being used, but the the context in which that that information was given. But um, uh, you know, the, the wonderful Cat Howard, who did a case study in um, our book on on CPD. Um, the section on accountability, which was the section that I found most difficult, I have to say, mm. to write. Um, and she she was talking about, you know, we're trying to measure the immeasurable. And, and I think, you know, we yeah, need to have much exactly more it. clarity about actually what are we trying to measure. And I, I've, I've sat through some awful, you know, I, I, the, the phrase book scrutiny used to absolutely drive me nuts anyway. And I know you could just say it's semantics to call it something else because people mm. might still feel it. It's, it's a scrutiny. But I just think everything about that screamed the kind of wrong message to people. Mm. We're coming to scrutinise your books tomorrow and make sure that they're all marked. And I've sat through, you know, plenty of awful ones where it was all, you know, what are we actually looking for? And, and I don't think anybody was... 100% clear mm. so it, it comes back to that kind of that Rob Coe point about poor proxies so we, we you know well the, the books have been marked so therefore that must be a proxy for good teaching Look, so, uh, <laughs> so I mean in these book review things right you could pick up a student book okay and the the child could have been spoon fed to produce mm. something that looked fantastic read fantastic but was presented as their own and then it might have student comments on it, and they the, the child could have been directed to mm. uh, to to give feedback on the teacher comments and all the triple marking quadrant, you know, all that jazz, right? There's lots yeah. of there's lots of things that could happen that do not demonstrate learning that that I think many people believe, 
demonstrate yeah. learning. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I again, 100% agree with you, which is why I like to use these as an opportunity. Um, you know, when I'm, I'm looking through a book, I want to look through that with the teacher or the student or the head of department so we can unpick and, and, and explore that. And, and I saw exactly what you were describing there. You know, I saw some fantastic books recently. Um, but then when you looked across, you realised that these, you know, fantastic books with these extended responses were pretty much identical mm -hmm. in each of the books. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad no, thing. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because well, they might well, be scaffolding. And at the exactly, end of the day, that, yeah. that teacher might need to do that with that class. Right? That teacher yeah. might need to do that. And there'll be a rationale as to why. And there'll be a reason mm -hmm. as to why. And, and, and as a professional, we uh, shouldn't yeah. try and argue with that teacher. We should say... Yeah. Okay. Explain your reasoning. Right. That's your reason. Fair enough. You've got a rationale behind it. And that's why you're doing it. And that's for that class and a different class. You might do things in a different way, different student, different way, whatever. But I don't think we do enough of that. I don't think we do enough no. of just accepting an individual teacher's professional opinion. Yeah. And, and that was exactly my response. It was like, this is interesting. And, and I think that's you know, are you going into judge or are you going in to explore? And, and you know, mm. I'm in a very lucky position that I go into these different schools and some of them I don't know very much about at all before I arrive. You know, I might have some raw data, um, which is vaguely interesting, um, but it, it's not the whole picture by a long shot. And, and so I, I go in and, and I'm really interested to explore. So I, I looked at these books and went, oh, you know, I, I noticed that we've got similar things in, in all of these books. I'd really like to have a conversation about that. Not, not a conversation as in you've done something wrong, but I'd, I'd just like to understand more about the learning processes that you were taking those students through. And, um, I, you know, I hope that when, when I do have those conversations, people really do feel they're open and it's about me wanting to learn about it and understand it and explore it with them. And it might be that afterwards they say, well, actually, I, I might think of a different scaffolding approach for those students if that's what the conversation has led to. Or equally, they'll go, oh, 100%, I was absolutely spot on there. That's what I'm going to do. So I, I think it, you know, anything where we're just going to judge is going to be problematic. Uh, and where also, we're opening up these dialogues, it's much better. And, and also, you, you, when you do that, you... I don't mean specifically you, but anybody who does mm. this has to be aware of their own, in my opinion, they have to be aware of their oh, own yeah. bias, their own bias, yeah. because because we've all had our own experiences um, in different mm. schools, different contexts, uh, different, different situations. And, and we will bring, whether we say it or not, we will bring that into any kind yeah. of conversation of that sort, in my opinion. Mm. That's my experience of it. I will. Now, if I'm bringing, and sometimes we'll forget, oh, hang on a minute, that's me. That's my way, yeah. work for me, might not for them. And, and actually, there might be a justification as to why this person's doing it this way. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I, th I think, again, you're absolutely right there. And um, confronting your own biases, it, it can be hard. I think, again, I was quite lucky um, in that when I kind of, you know, I, I came out of the classroom and, and had obviously been um, looking at that senior leader level and going into various lessons. But I knew that context really, really well. But one of the first schools that I went into, um, kind of visiting beyond my own school, where they were saying to me, tell me how things are going, tell me what, what we you know, he's going well, what might we need to develop? They did things very differently to how I would do things in the classroom. And I really had to stop my, and go, hang on, is that a problem? Stop thinking in the way that you're thinking and the way you would be teaching that text or organising that classroom. And let's have a look and explore what's happening. And what was happening is they had really confident um, students who really enjoyed their subjects were getting good outcomes, were producing good work, could talk about their learning. I haven't got a leg to stand on. You know, so what if I would do things differently? It was working. It was really working for them. And I think that was probably a really useful experience for me to have before I headed off to a dozen other schools to explore what they were doing. But but again, this 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 phrase of kind of working, you know, um, mm. and 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 I've written before and it, it uh, you know, I know that, you know, there's still there's still a real kickback about this, but this idea of of student at the heart of this usually is student outcomes and 
this idea. And, and you know, there is substantial research out there that that says that you know hereditary factors and environmental factors and um, parental factors and uh, and lots of um, factors have have the biggest influence on educational outcomes. You know, um, uh, I'd have to reference the report that I've seen, you know, the, the various different research. So there's one from King's College. There's one from the Coleman report from the 1960s. There's lots of different reports that I'd have to reference. But there's, there's various, the American uh, Statistical Institute, there's lots of them that all kind of point to this idea that, you know, teachers might not have as much uh, say on the outcomes and what what we're talking about here is test outcomes i'm not talking about yeah. the 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 actual learning and i'm not talking about um kind of experiences that the teacher might be able to provide in the classroom that are memorable or life lasting i'm not talking about all that because obviously all that is 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 insanely important and something that the teachers can do you know i i know that i mean we know that we know, we know from our own lives the impact that teachers can have. But what we're talking about here is test outcomes. We're talking specifically about the impact that an individual teacher in an individual subject area has over, on average, on students in a test. And I think in the United Kingdom, our mentality seems to be often that they have 70, 80, 90% impact on the test scores. Uh, whereas, as I said, this body of research, and again, I'll share the research. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I. I. One hundred. I. I will always question research, but I'm saying there is a body of research out there. There is a strong argument that that let that way we think about it is wrong, and actually, we should be thinking in the twenty percent or the thirty percent or the forty percent rather than the seventies, eighties, nineties. So, so this idea of it working, again, with that research in mind, again, it depends whether you want to kind of take that research and say, okay, I, I, I agree with it or I take it on board or not. But it, it, it makes you question that is what I'm saying. It makes you question I, that approach, yeah. uh, that certainty. I, I, th I was going to say, I think there's a, a huge amount to unpick um, in relation to that. And I don't think I'm going to be able to scratch the surface. Sorry, I'll tell you what you think about that for two minutes. We'll go to the news. And then when we come back, you're going to tell me all the answers to everything I've just said. Uh, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Hey Zoe. 
Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I am sorry for ranting this morning. I didn't realise you only had you only have twenty five minutes, and literally I've just ranted at you for twenty five minutes. And at the end, I said, "So Zoe, what do you think?" And you said, "You got to go." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a tight one there, right? Okay, so to, to cover some of the things that you've said there, firstly, I'd say um, I do think you know our obsession with outcomes and test results um, is problematic. And when I talk about outcomes, I, I talk about those in much broader terms anyway, um, and and actually way beyond uh, formal education as well and what that means. And so looking at, at the impact of education within a society, as opposed to um, you know what happens when you're 16 and you sit an exam and you you pass or fail. Um, I, I also think there, there are questions to be raised about the nature of those tests in themselves if, if we're thinking about those. Yes. Um, and that can that can be an interesting thing to consider in relation to any research which talks about outside teaching factors. Um, there is also a body of research that, that supports the idea that it is you know what teachers are doing and, and closely you know followed by leaders that um, is, is having the biggest impact on all sorts of student outcomes, including their well-being. So, so you know, you've, you've got all of that to bring into the mix there. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I, I think that it's what, what we as a profession need to, you know, to focus on is those controllables, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and by controllables, I don't mean somebody turning up to your classroom and telling you what to do, but I mean, mm. what can we actually influence? And there has to be an element of realism in there because there are some, you know, however much we might want to win every single heart and mind that we come across, yeah. that is, is not the reality. Um, so, you know, really focusing, well, what can we actually have that influence over? What can we change? I can remember seeing uh, Matt Pinkett and Mark Roberts talking about that in terms of um, the kind of the boys don't try. And, and they were saying, you know, very often you get this, well, you know, that's the boys. You know, the boys don't do very well in English or the boys don't do very well in school. And actually there's a lot of things that we can do that makes a difference. Mm. And equally we can say children from disadvantaged backgrounds they don't perform well. So, well, actually, how much can we influence because they've got everything mm. else? Well, we can influence because there are schools that are doing it and we're seeing it happening. Um, and so, the, the, you know, and I think for our well-being, we have to focus on the things that we can actually make a difference on or else you start to think, well, why am I bothering? You know, well, what, what am I actually doing this for if I can't have the impact that I went into teaching for. I mean, I, um, I I agree with all that, Zoe. I I I I've never said that teachers and schools, good schools and good teachers, can't make a difference. Mm. I mean, it, my my argument is the amount of difference when it comes to test scores. That mm. that like I said, is it the 70, 80, 90 percent, or is it the ten, twenty, thirty percent? You know, what is the for all schools? Now, what is the yeah. difference that it that it is? And and my opinion based, you know, as we would to use my favorite buzzword, my evidence informed opinion is <laughs> is that is that um, there is evidence out there to suggest that we should be much more conservative in how much we think teachers can impact test scores. That's that's my view. That's my view. And I'm, I'm, well, I know every, not everyone's going to agree with that. As I say, put, pop that research on Twitter and we can all have an unpick because I think that's something that I'd like to have a little read around and see nice what's there. But <laughs> in, in terms of um, you know, people wanting to explore this further, I would definitely suggest having a look at David Didow's, um Intelligent yeah. Accountability book. That's a, that's a real cracking one. Yeah, as his I say, blogs I, are really I mean, good we, as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and um you know, we, we um, as I say, we wrote about accountability um, in part of the impact chapter yeah. um, of our book, and it was the thorniest issue. It was the most difficult thing to do, and and I will agree with you that I don't think we've got it right yet. Some schools are doing it really well. Mm. Some schools are, are, are really, yeah. you know, getting that focus and that balance right. There are. But we're not there yet as a profession. For sure. So and I'm going to have so to run. <laughs> Thank you ever so much. Uh, pop in again sometime. We can. Uh, you can listen to me rant again at, at sometime in the future. We'll get a topic where I don't. I, rant I shall look time. forward to it. <laughs> take right. care. Bye. You take care. See you later. Bye. Okay, that was Zoe Enser. Uh, if you want to check out Zoe on Twitter, G. I think it's G Runner or G Runner. Or something like that. You'll find her. Just type in Zoe Enser. You'll find Zoe. Um, but a, a great guest and uh, really good to chat with her. I, I have to say, you can tell that this topic 
uh, really gets my my blood sugars going at, at high levels. Um, partly because I just feel like it's something. I feel like our accountability system in Britain is is what drives teachers out the most. You know, I I think it it causes the most problems. I'm not saying there aren't other issues as to why. You know, but it, it, it drives the workload, for example. You know, we talk about workload being a massive factor in the UK. I think the accountability systems and processes that schools put in place, that's what drives a large chunk of that workload. Because if you left teachers to it a, little, a, a bit more, they would work, find out ways or work out ways of reducing their own workload. But often they've got their hands tied. They can't do that because they're told to do things in a certain way. Or if they don't do it, they'll get caught out and, and so on and so forth. So that's why it frustrates me. That's why it uh, it grinds my gears, so to speak. Um, we'll go to the news. I'm gonna uh, uh, say some come by ours and and calm me little self down over here. And uh, yeah, be back in a minute. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins Burke. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio news with Tom Hopkins Burke. A coalition of 118 members of Parliament and Lords has urged Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi to reverse the government's decision to scrap most BTECs. The group sent a letter to Zahawi to support the Protect Student Choice campaign, asking the government to rethink plans outlined in its Level 3 Qualifications Review. The Department for Education has argued that the over 12,000 Level 3 and below courses offers a confusing landscape to young people, as it introduces a twin-track system of A-levels and T-levels from 2023. The DfE has also admitted that defunding these qualifications would hit students from disadvantaged backgrounds the hardest. Children's Commissioner Dame Rachel D'Souza has told the House of Lords that last week's universal credit cut should be reversed to cut child poverty. D'Souza told the Lords that the £20 per week universal credit uplift should be reinstated for families receiving the child component of the benefit. The Commissioner also recommended an auto-enrolment system for free school meals and for children from families with no recourse to public funds to be allowed free school meals on a permanent basis. The Children's Commissioner's Office has revealed that around 70% of vulnerable children are in receipt of free school meals and that well over 4 million UK children live in poverty. A Lincoln Primary School has warned parents against letting their children watch the hit Netflix show Squid Game. Squid Game, which has an age rating of 15, sees hundreds of contestants take part in children's games for a cash prize but with a literally deadly twist. So Francis Hill Community Primary School told parents that some pupils were reenacting scenes from the show during playtime. The school has called for parents to put parental locks on devices to ban access to shows of this nature for their children. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio news with Tom Hopkins Burke. Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We've got about 15 minutes left on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, Talking about accountability uh, in schools in the UK. Uh, You are live. Thank you for joining us if you're listening live. And thank you for listening back if you're catching this as a podcast. Teachers Talk Radio, 250k downloads. You are part of it. Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Oof. I feel like I've got that out of my system now. I was getting, I was getting really riled. Poor Zoe, poor Zoe. Um, Jem, Jemam has, has texted in. Really interesting discussion. What comes to mind for me is that teachers feel the need to cover their back. Make sure that they have evidence that they're helped, that they've helped underachievers. Also, there is a culture in some parts that if students do not get the grades they want, students and parents blame teachers. Well. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jem. You are 
100% right there is. Um, the article that I mentioned uh, with Zoe, I've just dug it out, actually, and uh, it goes a bit like this. Um, there is plenty of evidence to suggest that hereditary and environmental factors have the dominant impact, and this evidence seems to be conveniently ignored. In a recent and extensive study at King's College London, they concluded that individual differences in educational achievement at the end of education are not primarily an index of the quality of teachers or schools. Now, they looked at a 12,000 sample, a twin sample of 16-year-olds, and they found that heritability was substantial for overall GCSE performance for compulsory core subjects. Uh, they said 58% in the core subjects, English 52%, maths 55%, and science 58%. So the factor within those scores that was accounted for by hereditary factors was in the in, in over 50%. That's what that study found. Another one, the Coleman study on educational quality, uh, found that uh, the that they found that a 14% teacher factor score, so 14% impact from teachers, 86% for out-of-school factors in terms of the, the scores that students get at the end of school. The American Statistical Association 2014 concluded that only 1% to 14% of educational outcomes can be attributed to the teacher factor. Um, so there's lots and lots of studies out there that seem to indicate that um, the, the teacher factor does not have this huge uh, impact on test scores that many in education and I'm going to use the word want them to have because let's let's be completely honest here. I think there is a desire for people to feel like, like they are making that key difference. Now, that's a human need. And I think in some cases we are we're almost putting that human need that individuals have. It, we're projecting that in, on, onto into a school and educational context. We're saying, you know what? We make the biggest difference, and therefore we are the ones who have to have all the accountability on us when things go wrong. Whereas this evidence and this research seems to suggest that even though teachers do have an impact, and it's an important one, you know, <clears throat> no one can argue that whatever it is, 10%, 15%, 20%, this is still significant. You know, that is still a significant impact on children's lives. But we... we we think in such a way, honestly, I think in some schools it's it's 90%. I think they think there's the students on 10%, the student and, and the kind of hereditary factors and the family life and all that, that's like 10, 20%. And the teachers are on 80%. Now, I think that's the mentality in, in some places, reading Twitter, looking in the news, looking at what teachers are saying on, on Facebook, for example, on message boards. I think many teachers work in schools where they are expected, they are the ones who are the the kingmakers, the queenmakers, you know, they are the ones who who do it. The, the children are almost uh, vehicles within that process. And, and, you know, as I said, the research out there really, really does dispute that. And it makes clear that, you know, there is a, a big differential there between what the teacher can actually do when it comes to test outcomes. We're not talking about learning because learning can take lots of different forms. It takes a long time. Um, it, it can't be done in a snapshot. You know, we, we know now, uh, I say we know now, we've always known, but it's been brought to light much more by the work of cognitive scientists, by evidence-informed practice that, you know, learning happens when it's embedded into long-term memory. It's not something that can happen in a day, a week, a month, even sometimes a year or two years. It's something that, that is done over a long period of time. Um, drilling for exams is one thing, learning something substantial is another. And Zoe mentioned actually earlier about the makeup of our exams. You know, what do our exams actually look like? What are they measuring? Now, in the approach where we scrapped in the UK modular exams and People are doing things in a more summative way at the end of, for example, a two-year period of study, one-year period of study, whatever. Now, that's a long time to 
remember things, recall things. It's 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 a long time before before taking that single snapshot. And we're talking about what two hours, four hours, six hours, three exams, maybe. And you know, take history as an example. You know, you might do I don't know three exams, two hours each, ninety minutes each. Okay, you know, do it that way. But to relate that to teacher performance. That's that's starting to. I mean, don't get me wrong. You could relate it to twenty percent. That that marginal gain, if you like, the, the the marginal gain that that might come. You know, that that difference in one student in the class or two students in the class out of thirty, where they get like, you know, one grade higher than than expected or something. That kind of minute marginal gain. I do think that could come down to the teacher. I do. But that's not how things are looked at. That's not how the data is looked at. The data is looked at as, a, as an entire subset. It's, it's looked at as a 30 or a 60 or a 90 or a 120. It's lumped together and then and then looking at percentages and so on. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think the teacher impact in that sense is, is, is as valid or as high that you can look at the data in that way. So I think there's, there's lots of issues there around this. I, I don't think there's just one. I think that it's... It's some, but it is something that is definitely going wrong and has gone wrong with the British education system. And it's causing a lot of teachers to, to go, to leave, to feel terrible about their own practice, to feel really down about the brilliant job that they're doing. Um, I mean, you have to remember, you know, a lot of, and, and I asked Zoe about the, the different measures, you know, and we talked about um, book reviews and, and observations and planning and whatever, right? All these different kind of proxies um and these are things that are done in a moment they are they are done in an hour they are done in a day they're done quickly um and when i say quickly it might be during one one free period that the people doing those accountability measures are doing this in that teacher has been in that classroom probably for months maybe years with those kids. So the impact that they could have had with that group of kids or individuals in that class is is massive. And it will be impossible to measure in that snapshot accountability cycle, whatever that is, observation, uh, book review, whatever. You're never going to be able, and, and pu- even throwing pupil voice as well, because if you're talking to kids, that they might not tell you the full story. They might not even realise the full story themselves until they're older. Oh, I hated, I hated that teacher. Ten years later, oh, that teacher was was really tough, but I learned a hell of a lot. And that's the way it goes. So in in the, in the pupil voice, that 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 student, you know, you pick out three students. That student might not give you the answers that are valid, real, uh, right. But then they might not do it intentionally. But they don't know that they don't know. You know, a lot of students don't understand their own learning at that at that time, even in secondary, you know, primary and secondary. They don't they, they can talk about it. They can sound good when they're talking about it. But do they understand it? Do they know exactly what they're learning? Do they understand the process that happening? I'm not just talking about attainment, I'm talking about behavior. I'm talking about all the other elements. So there's limitations in that. There's limitations in 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 uh, taking snapshot samples and and it is a moment in time that's what i'm saying it's very superficial it's very um stunted it's not looking at the bigger picture um gems texted in again it's near impossible to say which part of attainment is attributed to what what value does this process bring except to further pressurize teachers thanks for texting in gem you've made two really good points there um and yeah i mean it is near impossible, but for some, it's seemingly not. Because in conversations that happen in lots of schools up and down the country, we know that that conversations happen, whether it's to do with attainment in exams or just attainment in class in general, lots of the conversations that happen are linked to outcomes and linked to attainment and, and so on. And yeah, and we, we don't. And there's a lot of certainty sometimes in those conversations. There's a lot of I know what's happening, but do you? <laughs> you know, do you know really? Um, you know, if if it was me and I watched another teacher, I think I'd have to be in that classroom every lesson for for months 
to have any idea, really, of what was happening. I think I'd have to be in there for a while. Okay, there's some who say, oh, I can turn up to the door and within one minute, I I know what's going on. I know what the teacher's like. I know what the students are doing. I know what's happening. Yeah, on a superficial level, you might. But in terms of learning and in terms of impact and in terms of all these other things, you probably won't. And 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 I would say that, you know, I've been teaching a while now and, and it would still take me such a long time to really get to where I wanted to get to, to have a secure picture of what was going on. Um, and, and to me, I'd have to be, I don't know, you'd have to, you almost have to be in the student's brains. <laughs> we need some kind of device that we could attach to their skulls to find out exactly what was going on in there. Because a lot can be going on that we don't know about when they're 13 or 14. We're only going to know when they're 30 or 40 or 50 what was going on when they were in secondary school or what they were learning over time or what was, you know, what particular teachers had a particular impact on them and which didn't. Uh, you know, we have to we have to really consider that, that it is we look at such a small snapshot time sample for learning. We really, really do, especially in the UK. And um, and yeah, it'd be lovely if we could we could move on from that and move forward from it. Um, I'll be back in a minute just to close out this show, which I hope you've enjoyed. I've certainly enjoyed talking about all this stuff. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. It's been fantastic. Later on, Teachers Talk Radio, we've got more shows for you. Uh, from four o'clock onwards, we've got Seb Ventura, Leanne Lax. Uh, we've got Holly uh, later on at eight o'clock uh, this evening, uh, which will be fantastic to to hear from Holly again. So three shows later for you from four o'clock onwards. Lots of brilliant topics. I think Holly's talking about uh, mental health in schools. So that's going to be one that I'm I'm definitely going to be going to be catching later. Thanks for the text in, Jenny. Thank you to you. Thank you for listening. Jenny, you currently have 1,523 engagement points from Teachers Talk Radio, which means you are definitely classed as a regular listener of Teachers Talk Radio. Um, please I know you probably haven't called in yet, but would you send us your details and we will send you a Teachers Talk Radio mug. So uh, just uh, uh, drop me an email. I'll put my email in the chat um, and just uh, drop me a line and uh, we'll sort out. We'll sort out a little a little mug for you because you always listen a lot. You, you listen to a lot of TTR shows. So come on. Uh, it's only right. It's only right. It's only fair. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll send you we'll send you something out. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you everybody, and I hope you've you've taken something from this. If you're listening back as a podcast, uh, cheers to you. 
And uh, yeah, I'll be back next week. And next week, actually, for me, exciting guest is Pete Warmby. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to talking to Pete about uh, all things autism and education. So I think that's going to be a significant show. It's, I'm going to be asking him a lot of questions that relate to teaching students uh, with autism and supporting autism in schools and education and, and also some of the challenges in that as well. So that's a show I'm certainly looking forward to. That'll be next week at the same time, 9am. I know a lot of people teach, but don't worry. Uh, on Teachers Talk Radio, you can catch every show back as a podcast. I will see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.